Rogers, who the only place he's going to take it to is the toilet bowl. And then you got Brett Favre, who will take it to the Super Bowl. I do like me a triple butter burger with cheese and the works, you know, ketchup, mustard, pickles. Could the package be really good? Yeah, I certainly would love that. But also to say that, is this look like a rebuild? Probably. If you think we're in a rebuild, then you got the wrong team. QB1, man. Come on, man. Best QB in the league right here. What's up, John Money? What's up, guys? This is Jeff Giannis. And Giannis does not stop it. Oh, please. What a cat. That's insane. You're listening to the Poor Man's Packers Podcast. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Poor Man's Packers Podcast, the one Packers Podcast in the state of our minds. I am Spencer, joined this week with Billy and Todd, boys. Hello, hello. How's it going today? Fantastic. No, Andrew. He has personal reasons. He uh, he has to attend. Uh, he I don't know if he'll be back next week because he's getting married next week. So congrats to him. And something else I was going to say that everyone's going to care about. Uh, shout out to his father, Doug Trenner, who was just named uh, High School Girls Coach of the Year in the United States, which I thought was pretty cool. Coaching girls hockey in Superior. Wow. Superior. So kudos to him. But that is absolutely nothing to do with what we're going to talk about. The Green Bay Packers unfortunately lost 24-25 to to the Atlanta Falcons. We are still the top dog in the NFC North, tied with the Lions because they lost. You know, Lions lost, Vikings lost, Bears lost. Not a very good week for the NFC North, but I don't know. I enjoyed the game quite a bit, but I guess before we get into the Packer game, what did you guys think of NFC North? Vikings seem to maybe actually suck. The Lions... Shit the bed at home, which was a little surprising. The Bears still... The Bears are probably the worst team in the league right now, don't you think? Bears are big bad. The Vikings, I don't think, are going to be... I think they're going to turn it around. It's They just can't turn the ball over three, four times a game. I mean, whatever they're mm-hmm. doing over there is just not working. But I think they can turn that around. The Bears, you can't turn around... You can't turn Justin Fields around. <laughs> no, no. I, just, I don't know what you He's do. He's so bad. <laughs> I don't, I'm not even... I don't think we should make fun of him as much because it's getting sad. It's week two. Well, I know, it's week it's, two, and it's, it's already but like I just, so bad. Yeah, it's mostly the offense too, you, or well, not maybe not mostly the offense, but the offense is not helping. They're not doing him a lot of favors just with Fair. some of the scheming and some of the effort from, especially the offensive line. Like yeah. they're not setting him up for success. But they do scheme their wide receivers wide open. You got to pull the at trigger. Times, at times, at times, yes. <laughs> I just, it's I tough. don't know. I mean, it, it feels like they need to just scheme him, like make one read and then just run. Like that's basically what he did last year. Yeah, get, get through this year or tank and draft a quarterback. I don't know. What do you do if you're the Bears? But. I, I don't care what they really do because I don't think, like Ryan Poles is a doofus, their GM, and their head coach doesn't seem to know what he's doing either luke gets it's a defensive head coach uh, right yeah, right and I, I thought that was kind of a good hire i mean maybe not a good hire but the fact that uh, you can kind of leave the offensive guru to do his own thing sure. but now when they're terrible it's like maybe that was obviously a mistake but it's nice that the nfc north is falling apart a little bit here early on when <laughs> we're in it, what we've all deemed a rebuilding year um, yes but as for the Vikings, I, I said it last week, and Todd, to your point, I think they're going to turn it around to an extent. They're just, they had an unsustainable luck 
lucky run of one-score games last year. It's regression to the mean. They're playing the exact same kind of football they played last year, and they're just not getting the breaks at the end of the game this year. Yep, I would agree. That's That does kind of seem what it is. It's that you're just not getting those lucky bounces at the end of the game. I mean, that's the difference. Yep. But back to teams that actually matter, the Green Bay Packers on this episode. We're going to get rid of pick six, at least for now. We're just going to talk about the game, you know, get some you know, more large picture takes of how the game went. Then we'll get back to offense, break down the uh, defense as well. We'll have take news this week where... I'm sure people just love everyone talking about it, but we're going to talk about David Bakhtari's knee and the whole... It's a very interesting story going going on People are talking it. about Dave's knee? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Unfortunately. I got I a little that. mad on Twitter over the weekend. Um, we'll have... Is Kylan Isn't Idiot that Packers a weekly trivia? occurrence? Un- unfortunately. For how and many years now? Forever. I mean, for all time. And then we'll preview the Saints game. Um but getting into it, once again, the Packers lose 24-25 to to the Atlanta Falcons in Atlanta. I'm sure people love the way I'm saying Atlanta there. Big takeaways, I, I kind of enjoyed the game. It was a real bummer the way that it ended up, but these first two games have been incredibly fun to watch. I feel like the Bears game was fun because we shit-kicked them. Atlanta, you know, we fell apart in the fourth quarter, but... Like we've said all year, we are rebuilding, so it shouldn't have been that much of a surprise. You know, overall, it was a bummer, but it's still a bit of a moral victory. I don't want to be that guy, but when you don't have Aaron Jones, Christian Watson, Elton Jenkins, and David Bakhtiari, you're playing a little shorthanded, especially with a, with a first-year starting quarterback. Thought the offense did good enough. Razul Douglas even said 24 points should be enough to win a game. And the defense, God, I mean... It's kind of like the same thing we had with Mike Pettin where I want to be mad at the defense, but at the end of the day, you look back and it's like, I can't really be mad at Joe Barry. You know, if Jair makes that pick, if Quay makes that pick, we're good. We had that third down play where Preston smacked uh, Ritter and Quay was like a millisecond late on defending the ball. There's a lot of close calls. I don't know. I still don't think we win a Super Bowl with Joe Perry as a defensive coordinator. Not like that's in the realm of possibilities this year, but I don't know, Todd, what were your main takeaways from this game? I think, I think the first three quarters I was happy with. And then the fourth quarter, you know, you kind of pointed out, Hey, you know, we're missing Elton. We're missing Bach. We're missing Aaron Jones. We were missing anybody on defense. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that fourth quarter abysmal. That was bad. Like looking at that fourth quarter and the way we just turned into, you know, every other Joe Barry defense we've seen over the last few years and just let them walk down the field. And we enter the third quarter up 24, 12 and we lose. I mean, we, we give up. That's 25, 24, right? Is that the score? I can't remember. 24, 25, 24, 25. And, it's just like that is concerning to me. I mean, that defense has to play better in the fourth quarter. Granted, the offense didn't help them out at all, but like you can't give up. They just let them walk down the field. And that was that was disappointing to me. The first three quarters were great. I don't I don't have a lot of qualms with like what the offense is doing. Jordan Love isn't gonna look great all the time. Um Sands, we should talk about it later, but his deep ball needs work. I it's, mean, that's yeah. it doesn't look it hasn't looked good. Once, Any, I mean, does anybody have a good example of a good deep ball this year? Uh, How long God, before teams start 
choking up on those underneath routes and making him throw deep. I mean, even those he had two big chunk yardages and they were both on PI calls when the mm-hmm. ball the only reason that the that we got those PI calls was because the ball was thrown in the bad spot. So the receiver's turning around and the D back tackles him. Because yeah. he thinks it's like a good throw, like a back shoulder or something like that. But it's not. They're really short or really long, and it's like yeah. And he was indoors too this week, which is kind of a bummer, you know, because he was short on both of those to Wicks and Dobbs late. But uh, I don't know. Yeah, and I mean, he has some nice line. Balls, I, yeah, but the deep. Balls. I was going to say, I thought the offensive line did a good job protecting him after it was a shaky start. You know, the first quarter, I think we went back to back punts, but then you know we started to get on a roll. We started to move the ball a little bit, and then like you said, Todd, fourth quarter. Everything just went downhill, and I think it starts with the offense. We had we ran ten plays in that fourth quarter and gained eleven yards. Yeah. We went, <laughs> we went three and out, three and out, and then downs. Like you cannot have that. After Atlanta gets back in the game, it's a five point game or whatever. It's like okay, let's go down and let's get a touchdown. Let's shut the door. And we went three and out. The defense had just given up a long drive. Like they were gassed by the end of the game. So I think more of it falls down on the offense. But at the same time, just with the number of players out and how young we are, I don't think anybody's surprised that, you know, we're going to have some up and downs. And we've talked about it already this year, and we've already seen it in in week two. I think to Spencer's point, too, you look at that game, and if we do have Aaron Jones, I mean, if we have Aaron Jones, we win that game. If we pick, I think there was, in my opinion, there was three picks. There was the 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 Quay pick, there was the Jair, which was basically he had one guy to beat for a pick six. Mm-hmm. And then there was a Darnell Savage deep ball in the flea flicker. Yes. The double yes. reverse flea flicker. Just make a play on the ball, uh, anything. He, I, I wanted to see that replay again. I even watched it later on. I couldn't quite get a good angle. It's like he didn't jump. And I'm like, it, that was. I just don't know how he doesn't get there. But any three of those, give us mm-hmm. the ball in any three of those, I think we win the game. Put Aaron Jones in. I think we win the game. Put Elton Jenkins in. I think A.J. Dillon isn't fumbling over himself on that third and one at the end of the game. I think we get a first down there. If he, if he doesn't, if he doesn't okay. hurt Elton on that run, too. Won't make excuses for A.J. Dillon's feet, but at least he he doesn't get touched before he rolls on his face for the first down. Maybe that. I'm just yeah. saying there's a lot of things. We should have probably won that game if any of those things go our way, but they didn't. And I still would like to see the defense play somewhat serviceable in the fourth quarter. Yeah, it's it's tough because, you know, again, it's the Atlanta Falcons should not be able to scheme against our defense and put up 237 yards passing and 211 on the ground. But then again, at, at the same time in the first half, I think something that we've kind of uh, overlooked one of those first drives, the Falcons drove all the way down the field. They got within the 10-yard line, and then it's third down, and we had that PI or holding call in the end zone. So now we're on the one, and the defense held three straight plays to force a field goal, which was huge. You know, that was – so it's it's once again where it's we had the bend-don't-break at the beginning, but it seemed like, you know, we were getting gashed in the second half. It seemed like – Joe Barry was playing a little bit too much nickel and only having two defensive linemen. Yep. But then at the same time, I don't know if the bodies we have on the defensive line. I think they're, once again, it's Ben Goody's deal where he wants these athletes who are disruptive, but they aren't those guys who are stout in the run game. You know, even TJ Slayton, who we thought would have a good year, and, you know, obviously he still can, but they 
he did not have a great game on Sunday after moving into, you know, the starter at nose tackle, Devonta Wyatt, who was the first round pick last year. Again, he's very disruptive in when he's pass rushing, but he hasn't shown that in the run game. And then Colby Wooden was just, you know, picked on when he was out there on those run plays too. So I don't know. It's once again, what keeps me optimistic is again, we don't have those Super Bowl aspirations this year. So, and here it's funny. It's like you go back in time with uh, Matt Lafleur at these post game pressers after we get ran on with Mike Pettin. It was the same thing with Joe Barry the first uh, or second year, and now this year he just, he's like, oh, we got gash, or it's like, oh, we let up too much. They ran it down our throat, and he says this all the time, but then he doesn't really take action. And I don't think we'll fire Joe Barry in season, but once we move on from him, I'll feel better. I think once we get a big fat ass to be on the defensive line, I'll feel pretty good too. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I think anytime you give up 200 yards a game, I don't care if it's to, you know, the eighth overall all world, you know, supposed running back and Desmond Ritter's a, a good athletic quarterback. But I mean, if, and this is me, some idiot fan that does True. the furthest thing from football for a living. Absolutely. If I was going into this game as a defensive coordinator, I would have said, I'm going to sell out to stop the run because I don't trust that Desmond Ritter can beat us with his arm. And all yeah. of a sudden we let him get good balance going. And you already talked about it with, you know, basically a split 50-50 for total yardage. Absolutely didn't come close. Yeah. And rewatching the game... You watch in the second half, the Falcons were like, we're going to run the ball. And that's yes. exactly what they did. And it's just, it, and it's the worst way to lose too. Like you almost would rather lose on the deep balls. Be like, ah, if that one play didn't happen, right. we would have won. But now it's like, you know, a thousand, you know, death by paper cuts. So, well, right. Except for, I think what Bajan Robinson averaged like eight yards of carry. So not really paper cuts. Was it that more much? Like, it was more like stab wounds. Yeah, got it. God, I thought it was like six and a half Props. yards of carry. Okay, maybe it was at like halftime. He was at eight yards or something like that. But it, credit to Bajan Robinson, he's a stud. I mean, yes, those yes. cuts, he, he's like about to get hit in the backfield, three yards behind the line. He turns it into plus six, and you're like, geez, this guy can run. Then I, I thought they had some good scheme on offense, too. There yeah. was that fourth and four sweep where it was like, you're not going to beat Bijan Robinson to the edge. Like, well, just. Just try and set the edge. I didn't so know good in then, space. I didn't know you were allowed and to then, run a successful like outside run like that. that not everyone's allowed. Yeah, not everyone. Only against Green Bay. Yeah, but then you, but then you also had that fourth down where they had maybe it was either third or fourth down where they went five wide and B. John was on the outside with Devondre Campbell like, and Devondre Campbell was just, ten yards off the line too. That's and that just was a like, brilliant ugh. scheme, like. Joe mm -hmm. Barry knows what personnel package they have in the game. It's like, okay, well, if he's in the backfield, we got Devondre Campbell yep. to defend the run. The moment he split out wide, like you absolutely have to put Devondre on him because who else is he going to cover? Do you trust him against Kyle Pitts or Drake London? Well, that, I don't. That is so. The, yeah, you line up ten yards off of him because if you come up and press, he beats him off the line. You play off. He runs a little slant with a a natural pick route on the inside. Like that's just good scheme. So I'm not going to blame Joe Barry for that, but I think Joe Barry does deserve some blame for this game. Oh yeah. Agreed. The other thing I thought with this, and um, I think Jake Shavink, who we had on for the pre-draft pod, 
he mentioned how interesting it would be if Bijan Robinson was there at 14 for us in the draft. Now, obviously, he went eight overall to the Falcons, but especially with this interest we had in Jonathan Taylor and we see what A.J. Dillon is, man, that would have been really fucking cool if he felled us at 14. And I, I don't doubt we would have taken him. You know, Goody takes running backs high. We saw it with A.J. Dillon. And he was willing to potentially trade for Jonathan Taylor. So I don't know if that would have been the pick or not, but uh, either way, found... I was thinking about Bajan and how, how much fun our offense would be with him. But uh, He is fun. Yeah. Uh, keeping it with the offense, now we can just move on to breaking down how they played this week, the individual players. Starting things off just so that we know where we're at. We're still second in the league in points with 31. You know, it's only two games, but whatever. We're 27th in yards per game um, and 26th in yards per rush with 3.3. Thank you, AJ. Um and we have the fourth best turnover margin in the league, which is one of the more important stats in the league. I would say, um, I don't know. I still like the way the offense is looking. We talked about the flea flicker and stuff there a little bit. But moving on to the players, Jordan Love, again, you know, up and down game, three quarters in. After that touchdown to Reed, I was like, fuck, we might have a guy here. We might mm-hmm. really have a guy. And he finished uh, 14 for 25, uh, 151 yards. The three touchdowns was sacked the one time. I mean, that one, that was like a classic Rodgers 2019 touchdown where it was like a little boop, I'm just going to pop it one yard forward to Jaden Reed. Yep. Um, but it, like I said, thought he played really well. Um, that beautiful ball to Wicks that he wasn't able to bring down in the corner of the end zone. That, that was, was the, a nice ball. That was the one that where was I'm a like, dime. Holy shit. I, we haven't seen this from him before. Um, the other, uh, probably the most optimistic or, I don't know, the best thing to take away was at Monday's presser, Jason Wildey once again brought up Jordan Love, you know, running. And he asked LaFleur about Jordan protecting himself. And this is what Matt said, quote, after the series, I said, hey, and this is this is the rush on like third and 10, I think, where he juked one dude and then slid and kind of got hit late. And then he popped up and was John at the guy. So on that floor said, after the series, I said, hey, that was a hell of a run, but you don't need to be Superman. Just get down. He fired right back and said, hey, I thought we needed some juice. I said, all right, it's a fine line of being smart. But just, but just bringing that energy, he showed some fire after the run as well, which is pretty impressive in my opinion. I thought in all, it was he was really pleased with how he competed, and that was very encouraging. And that is something not to bash Rogers or something, but uh, <laughs> I, st- I still think back because I was at that uh, that Titans game last year, and I was like third row behind the bench, and I'm a Rogers guy. But when he came off the field, every time. He was like sulking and he would walk right to the bench, sit down. I remember Tom Clemens would like walk up to him, like look at him. Rogers wouldn't look back at him. So he'd just keep going. And I mean, it's right. You you see the way the guys have rallied around him too. We saw it in Chicago last week when he got hit out of bounds, how they helped him up and rah, rah, all that shit. But the way he's jawing at guys, I it's it's fun to have a young quarterback again. There was some negatives in there, but... I thought there was more positives than negatives. I loved seeing him jaw with that dude at the end of that play. (laughs) I, that got me fired up on my, on my couch in the living room here. Like, like you said, it's been a long time since I've seen a Packers quarterback do that. And then what I noticed too, to your point, when the Falcons defenders started to come and, you know, back up their guy that was getting shit talked, 
the Packers offensive line, they all came over. Like there was kind of a little muddle huddle right there. It was like, oh, is this going to turn into something? And then, you know, the refs kind of split it up. But man, I was excited watching that. Yeah, I think um, I think overall we had talked about like three quarters too. Great. I think great performance from Love from the first three quarters, especially that last drive at the end of the third quarter. You talk about where Jaden Reed had like the three different mm-hmm. out routes that he ran for positive yards, one for a touchdown. I was like, oh my gosh, like what is this? Where This is an efficient offense. Mm-hmm. Like this is a really good offense if we can do this. So you're seeing those flashes. Then you're also seeing, you know, some bad deep balls that <laughs> – we got to put one deep ball on tape. That's my thing. Just put one on tape, right? So that teams aren't going, ah, maybe we don't need to play high safeties. Maybe we can crowd the box. That's not going to be good for anybody. So I don't know. I, I feel good about them in general, but yeah, I want to see, I want to see a deep ball or two connect against the saints. I mean, we got to see something. I think I saw in the game broadcast, he completed like two of his first six or something in like the first quarter or whatever it was. So a little bit of a slow start, mm-hmm. but it, at one point they showed a graphic like he had completed 10 of his next 12 or something, and maybe it, at least the touchdown to read, maybe the one to Wicks too, but it was like, he's dealing right now. Like yeah. It was to the point where every single time he dropped back, I was like, we're going to get another completion. And these were not like dink and dunk completions either. Like They were, you know... There were a couple of those sprinkled in, but some of them over the middle. There was that post to Wicks, like a lot of good variety in the routes run and the completions that we were making. That uh, throw on the run to Dobbs too when he was yes. running to the right—that was pretty cool. I, you know, what, I again, one love of that. one of those that isn't like super super impressive live where you're like, oh, cool, we got a first down. And then you watch it again, you're like, oh, that's pretty, that's pretty good. I, I, I love the throw on the run where they act, they actually played a replay. It was one of like two replays the entire game, I think. They played the replay <sighs> so and he just zings it, Rogers-esque, and I mm. think the commentators were talking about too, but just like zings it as he's like falling back on the run and just like in stride, Dobbs, one foot, toe drag, catch, put it away. It was like, oh, this feels good. That feels really good. Yes, yes. Um, and, you know, we talked a little bit about the negatives. I'll breeze through the negatives here that we didn't talk about. He was still 0 for 6 in the fourth quarter. He should have had that pick in the fourth quarter yes. that was served right up. Uh, he's 20, 29th in the league in completion percentage. You know, I yeah that that's, that's the one big concern I have. And then at the same time... Uh, I saw some stat that Matt LaFleur, like our receivers are more open than any other team in the league, apparently. Really? Um, yeah. God, it was one of those charts that you can't like read immediately when you see it, but I saw the sure. Packers were all the way on the right, and I'm like, this is a good thing. The one where it's all the dots everywhere? Yeah. And yeah. you're like, what the? And there's a line, and you're like, okay, there's the mean. What's what's going on here? Yeah. And then there's all the shit about like EPA, where he's like the be- you know the Packers offense is like the most productive. Efficiency per play. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. All that shit, but... Either way, bottom line, he looks better than I think all of us thought he would look thus far. You know, we haven't Great. really had many of those uh, growing, growing pains. Uh, moving on to running backs, some more negative things. AJ Dillon was the starting running back in this game. 15 carries, 55 yards. What was it, like a 3.3 average, I think? Seven. 3.7. Oh, there you go. Good 3. job, 7. AJ. But yeah, not, not a good game. And God, he had good moments too you know there was a couple some 
he moved the pile a couple times pretty well. You know, something that we're used to back in the day. I, uh, he's one of those where, uh, how did I explain it? You think the play's over, and I like start sipping my beer and like looking off from the TV, and then I gotta look back, and I'm like, oh, we got three more yards. Okay, AJ, I'll take that. He had the one nice catch for eight yards, which was something he did a lot more early in his career, and then last year it kind of fell apart. And I don't nice to see that, but fuck, he is just it. That last that last drive or second to last drive of the game, I was like, cool. There's like three minutes left or whatever. We're down, you know, score whatever the hell it was. We were still up. Put the game away, Jordan Love. You got this. And then we ran it on the first play for six yards. And I'm like, wait a minute. I had this all wrong. This is a A.J. Dillon drive here. This is this is going to be, you know, how we're going to view him going full forward. And then, of course, after that, it was like a three-yard run. And then that third and one was just brutal. It's never good when, the, when your team challenges a play to prove that you fell down and the opponent didn't touch you. That's that's not a good thing. Right. Uh, everyone, you know, we've always kind of tried to describe him as a downhill runner. I would describe him as a like down step runner, like you know how you go down the stairs at night and it's dark and you think there might be one more step and then you you step down and you fall, you trip. That's what AJ Dillon does on a lot of these <laughs> runs. Last thing, last thing here, you know, there a lot of people argue oh you know he's a big back you have to keep giving you got to keep feeding him you got to get him lathered up and then he's going to be better uh i think much you know he he's a business guy he's got a lot of different you know a diverse portfolio i think it's a ponzi scheme with him you keep feeding him and he's he's i don't think he's going to get worse he's especially just spending it he's, he's spending it spending. somewhere else <laughs> yeah it, he's indoors in atlanta we're not at lambo in december so i don't know i feel bad cuz it does truly seem like you know, it's not like he's trying to play bad. He knows it's a contract oh. year. He's getting ahead of himself, but he he had 34 snaps to Patrick Taylor's 11 and Wilson's five. Uh, Wilson had three carries. Patrick Taylor had one. It's even it when he's the lead guy, you got to split them carries more. But I know yeah. I I talked a lot there. Todd, do you have do you have anything else with? I was AJ trying Dillon. to think about what my real like what what is the real problem as we're watching because we were gonna see plenty of AJ last Sunday and we did, and I just feel like if he can make it through that f- initial contact, he's fine. I yes. don't he he like you say pushes the pile. He's a strong guy, but it's like something about the first hit. If he can survive the first hit, he's fine. Where like other backs will get like drugged down after the first hit, whatever. Like he doesn't really seem to do that it's a very weird for an NFL running back to like either get smashed by a linebacker on the first head, go nowhere at that size. He doesn't push the first guy at all, but then he can push the pile. And it's like, doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. I can't quite figure it out. I don't know if it's pad level or like, he just doesn't move his feet when he makes that contact. I have no Partly. idea. I'm not an expert, but it's just like, when you watch it, it's like, for some reason it's, if he can get off of that first hit, okay, he's going to push the pile for five yards, but any a corner can tackle him in the hole. It's, mm-hmm. it's like the weirdest thing. I don't really know what's going on. But. It's like he's running with clown shoes. Yeah, it, it. Yeah, it's like he's pulling. He's pulling. He's got forty fives behind him, and he's just dragging them down the, <laughs> yeah, down the yeah. field. For I don't. It's it's harder than it should look for a guy that seem. He's an athletic guy. He's a big two hundred forty pounds. I mean, he's mm-hmm. big and fast, and then and then he just doesn't have the best footwork, but. I would be fine with that if you were really a power back 
and I know you're just going to run through whatever's in front of you, but I just don't see it. So, yeah. I think it's telling that, and or maybe it isn't. I don't know. I guess I'd be interested in your take on this, Spencer or Todd. Like, the coaching staff has to see how poorly A.J. Dillon is running, right? Mm-hmm. So to Big. give him 15 carries and then Emmanuel Wilson 3 and Patrick Taylor 1, and mm-hmm. it, I'm not going to pretend that either of those guys showed anything on their carries. Like, does the coaching staff just not trust them? Or are they just willing to ride with A.J. Dillon because they know him? And, you know, Emmanuel Wilson, for as great of a story as he was in the preseason, he's still an undrafted rookie. I don't think, you know, it's fair for anyone to expect him to come in and carry six times for, you know, 45 yards. Yeah, and I, I've i wondered that too. I remember back in 2019, 2020, I guess it was 2020, um, because that got brought up with Jamal Williams and AJ Dillon, and Lafleur said that Ben Sermons decides who's in the game. Now things could have changed since then, but I always thought that was a little bit interesting. And something else, rewatching the game, you know how we always talk about these pitches and how we keep pitching AJ the ball and it never works. There were four carries that weren't AJ Dillon carries. Three of them were pitches. That first toss to to Wilson. Was yeah. a five yard loss. The, when he ran up the Nobody middle, blocked. Yeah, when he ran up the middle, he picked up like six, seven yards. But then they pitched yeah. it to him again and pitched it to Patrick Taylor. I don't know. I don't know what the hell is going to happen with the running back position. Honestly, at this, point, I feel bad. I don't. AJ Dillon is not the second best running back on this team. I would again. People point to like his pass blocking. Patrick Taylor is fucking awesome at pass blocking. It's true. And that's he's true. a lot. And that's, he's more. That's why explosive. he got eleven. Sna- that's why he got eleven snaps and yep. only he had one target and one carry. What's he doing on the other nine? And, that, and he was also the guy who was in at running back when we went no huddle and the two minute drill and shit. You know it. Yeah. You know they're giving us signs. It's going to be very interesting to see how this all plays out once Aaron Jones is back on the field. Um, moved on to receiver. You know some. Once again, it's this is always going to be fun this year, breaking this down. Dontavian Wicks, two receptions, 40 yards. Jaden Reed, the obviously the touchdown Wicks had. Jaden Reed, four receptions, 37. The two touchdowns, Romeo Dubs, two receptions, 30 yards. Samari Turi, the one reception for six. Uh, again, Romeo Dubs, he just snatches the ball out of the air. He kind of uh-huh. got taken away later in the game, but I still love him. Uh, Tay Wicks, first NFL touchdown, and pretty impressive catches the ball breaks a tackle and then changes direction so quickly runs it up field todd you're at the beginning of the season when you said like uh what was it on on unsung hero or something you picked dontavian wicks Dontavian that, wicks that is age awesome i i'm shocked how how involved he's been this early but it, he's extremely smooth with with the ball which you don't see too often especially from receivers samari Ture. God, I wish he held on to that fourth down ball. I know yeah. there was a penalty anyways, but that would have been huge for him and huge for Jordan Love. But back to Jaden Reed, I had this thought during the game. If I had to pick one receiver who isn't going to bust on this roster, I think it's Jaden Reed. I think he, he seems to, for a rookie in two games, to look as good as he does, and it's not like he's blowing people away, but he's so consistent, and there is no wasted movement. He snatches the ball out of the air. He's always in the right spot. I yep. love him. I, I don't think there's any way, knock on wood, that he shits the bed when you know Christian Watson with the injuries, Romeo Dubs. I don't know. Sometimes he has some drop issues. You never know. But 
I love him. Todd, I don't know. What did you think of the receivers? I definitely think the same thing about Jaden Reed. I was thinking the same thing. It's you don't it with this young receiver core, it's nice to just like not even really notice that he's a rookie and just be like, oh, that guy like looks like he's just better. He's just a consistent guy, mm-hmm. but he's a rookie and like he hasn't had the experience. And I mean, he's he's a good athlete. He's quick. He moves laterally. Like that's a fun slot. I mean, we have what we thought we were getting with Amari Rogers. We finally have it. Right. And yeah. it's good to see a guy in the slot that can run those out routes in the flat and stuff like that and generate that positive yardage and then turn up field. I mean, that touchdown that he had, I did not think when you're watching that, you did not think he's oh, going to turn the corner with that all those one, bodies. Yep. All, there's Atlanta had three, four guys there and he had like one blocker out in front of him or something like that. And he just turned the corner. Like that's what you need. Make the most out of what you can get. It was like Christian Watson's first touchdown last year on that jet sweep. Where he just keeps going, and you're like, holy crap. I mean, mm-hmm. different animal. But, yeah, I think overall, you know, Dontavian Wicks looks – he looks better than you would expect a rookie to look. I mean, that's really fun to watch. Especially a really, fifth-round pick. I'm really excited to see Christian Washington, Christian Watson get inserted back in this offense, see what Dontavian Wicks's role turns into after that. Um and just because he's had so many snaps and like they seem to love him and he just plays good ball. I don't know. It's exciting. I was going to bring up that exact same point, Todd. Like once we get Christian Watson back, it feels like we're kind of cycling through a lot of receivers. And the thing is, everybody's had their moments. You know, everybody's gotten some targets. Everybody's made some plays. And I think that that's going to continue when Watson comes back because Wicks has shown that he needs to see the field. Reed has shown that he needs to see the field. Of course, we know Romeo Dobbs needs to see the field. But Samari Toure, he doesn't get as much run as the other guys. He's flashed a little bit, you know, a little bit last year. Took some steps. Obviously, they've felt enough about a, a you know, second-year receiver that's a former seventh-round pick to put him on the active roster. So I'm excited to see, you know, all these receivers and see how the playing time shakes out once everybody's healthy. Who would have thought we would feel this good about the wide receiver room after week two, mm-hmm. you know, like I, and we haven't even seen Christian Watson. Right. So like, and, and it could fall apart, but yep. it's, it, where we're at right now, it's like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of optimism. I feel like around the wide receiver room. Which I is thought, great. I thought we would have a lot more growing pains, pains, right. especially on offense this far with how many young guys we have, have out there, at, you know, and again, Dobbs, Watson, Reed, and Wicks as your top four guys, you know, and you have all of them locked up at least the next three years. That is extremely, extremely exciting. You know, we don't yes. have to talk about Grant DeBose, Malik Keith, and Samari Ture, but, right. you know. Um, briefly with, you know, the tight ends, Luke Musgrave, he didn't do a ton. He had the two catches for, what was it, 30 or 25 yards. They seemed to take him away after that. The only other thing I'd bring up with the tight ends is um, – Tucker only had two snaps. Uh, ben Sims, the undrafted guy that we snatched off the Vikings after they cut him, he had more snaps. So it's still tight ends a tough position. He's slowly learning, but I was still, I don't know if we have too much to say on Musgrave. I'm still excited about him too. He looks a little lanky at times, Moosegrave, but uh, you guys have anything on, on tight ends? I don't, I don't think there's much to talk about there. I like, I mean, I obviously still feel good about Musgrave. I think every week he just looks a little bit better. Um, True. I don't know. It's it's one of those things, too, where DeGuire got a couple snaps. He actually got a first down. 
um, sell the production out of him. He was and he was mad. He was mad he only got the first stone, too. Yeah, well. Um, but <laughs> no, I mean, Luke is a fun weapon to have, and it's going to be interesting to see him develop. Yeah, not it was a quiet week, which is fine. But I think there was a couple opportunities to hit him over the middle, too, that we maybe missed. I just saw like some yeah. of the replays and stuff. But other than that, I mean, it'll come. This The whole wide receiving core is so young, and I think it's going to take a little bit for love to get in a rhythm with all these guys too. So it's, it's exciting though. Yep. Um, Offensive line, obviously, you know, we'll talk about it later with David Bakhtiari, but the starting offensive line left to right was Rashid Walker, Elton Jenkins, Josh Myers, John Running, Zach Tom. So there was 50 offensive snaps. Rashid Walker finished with 45. Yash had 12. And we'll talk about this later too, with the David Bakhtiari thing, but he played a lot of, uh, I think there was like seven snaps at tight end and the jumbo set. I assume it's still called the jumbo set when they have that extra offensive lineman out there. Yep. But overall, decent performance from the offensive line. They had the one sack. Not, you know, we, we gave A.J. Dillon a lot of shit. The, the run blocking wasn't great. Um, but, God, there's still, especially that third and one, you got to just make that shit happen. Um, obviously, Elton Jenkins got hurt because uh, A.J. Dillon ran into him from behind Elton did say that the turf also played part of it but oh. uh when someone runs into you I think that plays part of it as well it was only the turf yeah it was only the turf uh but it you know Royce Newman came in he played pretty well he wasn't terrible you know which is all you can really ask I'll be very curious to see what the offensive line alignment is this week with Elton Jenkins being out I'm assuming David Bakhtari is going to play with this turf stuff going on and being back at Lambeau, but I'm curious if we either put Tom, if we move him back to left guard and have Rashid Walker start at right tackle, or if we keep Newman there and keep everything else the same, if Bakhtiari comes back, or maybe we say, fuck it. And we put Sean Ryan out there and see if he can prove himself. I don't know, but maybe we have at least options on the offensive line, which some teams can't say. Yeah, I think the I think the uh, offensive line last week, the run blocking wasn't great. Didn't help that AJ Dillon was back there either to not create any holes for himself. But yeah, I don't know. I'm hoping going forward, uh, Dave's out there. Turf Monster is always after Dave, so we'll see. As long as we're on a grass field, we're probably safe. But I don't know. Yeah, not not too much comment on the line, I guess, for me. I thought Rashid Walker really struggled at the outset. I think those first two drives, he really had some bad reps and I was sitting there going, oh my God, this is going to be a long day. And <laughs> yeah. then it it seemed like we started get some, get some things figured out. I guess the only other thing I would say is, you know, that third and one, you know, got to have it late in the game. Who do we run behind? Rasheed Walker and... Um, Good point. Royce Newman. Like, True. Don't we have point. John Runyon, who's a, you know, he's he's probably our third strongest link in the offensive line. Either him or Tom. But you know, I'd rather run. I'd rather try running right side than behind two backups in a situation like that. You're yep. not you're not wrong, but John Runyon's good. You know, he's fine. Zach Tom. I mean, they're both more pass blocking guys. And Royce Newman and Rashid Walker. I think they're just bigger dudes. And if you want one yard, you know, obviously retrospect it's like hey we could have ran to the right so i i don't hate it but i i do understand what you're 
what you're saying too, but I don't know. It'll be, I don't know. I'm very curious to see what happens with the offensive line. And Rasheed Walker, I mean, what going from <laughs> going from playing in the preseason, like half-ass reps against a defense to playing the Falcons yeah. in Atlanta, <laughs> like right. just a comp- on turf, you know, so those guys are coming even quicker. Like it, uh, it's a completely different animal. So I'm glad he didn't, you know, look like Don Barclay or other offensive li- Jason Spriggs who turned into turnstiles that we've had in the past. So, yep. Uh, and with that, we will have a quick commercial break. And we are back with the defense. Uh, quickly going over these team stats. We are 30th in run yards per game, giving up 165.5. That's pretty bad. We are 27th overall in yards per game. Uh, we're not very good on situationally. The Packers have only forced five punts this year against the Bears and Falcons, if you forgot who our opponents are. But I will say this, uh, we're pretty good against QB sneaks. I feel like last year, too, we were <laughs> halfway weird. decent. Yeah, because we had like the weird pseudo QB sneak with yeah. the tight end with the Bears and then Justin Fields and then this week with uh, Ritter. It, so that's kind of surprising, especially when we don't yeah. have a ton of great push from the defensive well, lineman. But we are getting... Yeah, yeah, normally. But we are getting good push on on these clo- these short yard situations. Yeah. Which it's so weird because last year there was it was a it was a gimme for any team that needed a yard, right? It was not an it was it was not an issue. But now it's like, what's going on? We're getting these like they're they're getting penetration immediately. And and maybe part of that is having um uh what's his name? Uh, who's the nose tackle? TJ having TJ and then Devonte Wyatt maybe is getting good jumps. It's I have a hard time identifying sometimes during the play and there's like we talked about no replays, so you can't tell who's who. But yeah, Kenny's also looking really good. But I'll let you keep going. He's probably been the most consistent guy on the uh, defensive line at least. But we can get right into the player breakdown. Two corners. So in the secondary, Jair Alexander did not have. I hate saying Jair's name because I know it's Jair Alexander. But when you say it quickly, it's Jeer. You know, if if you try to say Jair's name quickly, you don't open your mouth wide enough for the ah. So it's Jeer. Uh, Anyways, slow down. Just I, slow down. I, I can't. I'm on a roll. We're podcasting. Mr. Jair- Mr. Alexander. <laughs> there you go. Mr. Alexander didn't have a great game. Uh, dropped that easy pass. He gave up like 100 yards in coverage. Um, and this might be a dumb take, but remember last year, the Bears game? where he was like fucking around, you know, like you could tell he was kind of doing his own thing and he let up the big play to uh, uh, uh-huh. EQ and Harry. And this game, he looked pissed, you know, when he dropped that pick early on and then the rest of the game too, like he looked pissed. So I'm glad he was upset post game. He had some comments where he was saying he was upset too. Razil Douglas, he had that pick. He now has more career interceptions for the Packers than J- than Jair does, which I thought is a little interesting oh, wow. as well. Um, I like Tim yelling at Rashawn Gary too after he didn't set the edge. And yes. Keyshawn Nixon had snuffed out that one screen uh, late in the second. This might have been a note from last week. No, no, he had a he had a decent tackle in the run game too. But I don't. Corners were all right, and then safety position still with the secondary. Darnell Savage, I like how involved he was like he's turned into Kamal Martin of years past where he just fucking if he knows it's a run he's yes. he's disruptive he might be productive he might not be productive when doing it but he's making someone move out of the way at least we saw that a couple times with 
uh, Bijan just moving out of the way. And then Rudy Ford, I don't know. He's worse than Savage. He played really well at the beginning of last year when he got thrown into the defense. But at this point, you don't cut the guy, but I'd move him back to special teams. And Anthony Johnson Jr. hasn't been suited up these first two games. I'd like to see somebody else play. Wasn't Anthony Johnson Jr. playing... He was on special teams, wasn't he? I don't think so. You might be thinking of no. Jonathan Owens, who's number 34. Ah, uh, that is who I'm thinking of. Yes. yes. He had a nice tackle. Never mind. Uh, Well, he, he, he might have. I think he had multiple tackles, but then that one, he had the fucking face mask too, which was a pain. Which in the was butt. like barely a face mask. He mostly grabbed him by the back of the helmet, which I believe is not a penalty. And then in the replay, they're like, he grazed his face mask with his hand. Yes. That's what I saw. I was just like, meh. Didn't they used to have like a five yarder and then a fifteen yarder? Now it's just the fifteen yarder, right? Just, yeah, they got rid yes. of the five. Yeah. So I, I don't know what you guys have, but the secondary, meh. I think Drake London stole Jair's lunch money. Unfortunately. It was not super pretty to watch. And I seemed like he was traveling with him a little bit too. Yep. So I don't know. That didn't that didn't feel great. But outside of that, I mean, I don't know. This the corners corner position's fine. Could have had you know, a couple picks. Uh, I think we, yeah, what well, we only wound up with one, but you know, what do you do? Sar- Savage could have had that one, and Jair had a. I mean, basically, he's got a guy to beat. So, Savage, Savage could have made that play is like the story of his career. I know it's, just, and he's he's a he's an athlete. He can mm-hmm. he can get burned and make up that ground, right? And that's like what's impressive. But then it's like, dude. Like you just got to have those ball skills. Like, I don't know, like at safety position, especially like when the ball's up in the air, like just, you got to make a play. I don't well, just, know. It's tough. Just tackling in the backfield too. He's, he can't finish either which way, you know, it's yeah. It's almost like, just give me one or the other. Like, I don't, if you can't be a box safety and come up and make a tackle in the backfield, fine. But on the back end, you better go. You better cover everybody deep and tip the ball at the very least. And make plays. Yeah, just make plays. That, that was, was just like, give me one or the other. It was such a like slow progressing play too. Like my eyes got big. I'm like, oh my God, he's going to pick this off. He's going to make a play. This he, We're going to have good Darnell Savage in two games. And I was uh-huh. like, fuck. I think it was like a third down too. And I was like, God yeah. damn it. So, and going into, the, going into that play, I thought Darnell Savage was actually playing pretty well. He had yeah. made some plays in the run game. Like I, I don't know up to that point if I had had a play where I was like, God damn it, Darnell Savage. Right. And then after sure. that play, it was like, well... There he is. That that's what I was expecting. Maybe a little um, bit of credit. He has been playing well in the run, I guess. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, yes. And if there's a if there's a ball thrown in the flat, he's there. Mm-hmm. Right. Like he's ru- he's running that alley down to the flat pretty quickly. So give him a little yep. bit of credit, I guess. He's affecting the play. He's not finishing the play. Which I, if you gave me this option or we start over and whatever Darnell random Darnell we're gonna get, I would take this Darnell that we've had Fair. thus far. So I guess we'll see what happens. I thought Quay Walker had a pretty strong game. I mean, he was all over the field. He had 17 tackles or something. I can't remember the last the time unfor- I've seen that bit high of a number for tackles, it was, right? The it unfortunate was- thing was he didn't have any for loss. He didn't have any sacks. It's like he was getting to the ball and he was finishing the play, but it was, you know, the classic A.J. Hawk, like mm-hmm. three yards downfield, five yards downfield, four yards downfield. So... You know, I don't know big plays though. Too yes. like it was yeah, not his side of the sure. field. They were running away from him a lot of times, 
and he yep. was saving the big play on like Bijan Robinson and stuff, and it was like, ugh. He, but he also not there. he also had he also had that big hit on the on the one pass rusher who just got rid of the ball. If he finishes that play, yep. if he makes the pick, like we're talking about an all time great performance from Quite Walker. Yeah, he, yes. I think he. I agree. I think he played really well. It's tough when you don't have. Like you do want to see those aggressive tackles for loss, meet him at the line, whatever. But I mean, I'll take that performance every day of the week. I mean, he played really well. I think we need some people around him. Devondre has been fairly quiet this year. We need some people around him to be making some plays too, to help him out. Devondre's looking a little slow. I think this is going to be his last year with the Packers. He is looking slow. Yeah. And yeah. And he had those injuries in the previous years, and it sounded like he's pretty healthy now. You never know. Well, he was banged up. He didn't play the last preseason game. He wouldn't have anyways. But I remember going into that preseason game, he said he was iffy for the opener. So he did have injuries early on. But even just, you know, I don't know how old he is. I think he's, I think he just turned 30, actually. But maybe he does. It's up to that point where he's had enough wear and tear where it's slowing him down. But yeah. Back to uh, we talked about the you know the big screen grab of him lined up on Bijan late in the game. Um, Quay Walker was on the field on that play, and another part of it was Joe Barry elected to go with Quay's rushing ability. They rushed him instead of having him cover Bijan. So that's one of those. Yeah, but that might be a scheme thing too, right? Because when you talk about that, it's not like they're like, "Oh, hey, if this happens, right. Quay, you go out there." It's no the this this side yes. linebacker goes with the running back. If he goes to that side, that side linebacker goes. But so that's an offensive scheme thing where they're just they're picking on Devontae. I suppose, but that's still a, an adjustment that you would like to see Joe Barry make. You know, you don't want to go rogue for those players on the field just doing it, but it's like. I don't know if the risk is worth the reward there. Either way, on that play, and I think they were in 12 personnel, I don't know why Devondre's... I don't know. I don't know. I don't need to talk. I don't need to pretend like I'm a big X's and O's talker about her here. But uh, And yeah, Quay and Campbell combined for 31 tackles on wow. Sunday. So that's pretty fucking crazy, too. Uh, outside linebacker, Rashawn Gary. You know, we got on Ryan Wood last week for talking about Rashawn Gary not being Rashawn Gary yet. This was Rashawn Gary not being Rashawn Gary yet. Um, not a great game. It, we once again were reminded that he is not very good at consistently setting the edge. Right. Um, absolutely bit on that one keeper. Like I said, Razul Douglas like yelled at him while he was helping him up off the field. But that happened a couple times. Still love Rashawn, but it's like, God, if that's the one thing that's stopping him from being an elite, elite player is containing he's okay at times in the run game especially when you look at like jj nagbari who did not have a good game they seemed to like when he was in the game they pretty much just ran right at him uh i talked a lot of shit about zadaria smith in the past i think maybe jj is very similar to zadaria smith where he's a great pass rusher but he's not going to give you much in the run game lucas van ness he was having a pretty solid game and another thing you know the falcons did run more in the second half but they ran a lot better when Lucas Van Ness was out of the game as well. If nothing yeah. else, he's been a pretty stout run defender, and he's not getting pushed back, which is great to see from a rookie. We still haven't had any clarification on that elbow injury, but hopefully he's back pretty quick. Preston, he had he f- helped push a sack that was split between uh, yep. Wyatt and Clark or Ken- whoever. Kenny and Gary. Okay. There you go. And like I said, JJ is kind of meh, but what do you guys think of the uh, outside linebackers? 
I think um did did Lucas get hurt too? He he came out for a little bit. Yeah, that's um, what I said. Elbow injury. Yep. He did elbow. not finish okay, the game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he I mean, I think agree him being in the game, just having his big athletic frame on the outside, and he probably is just better at setting the edge in general. Maybe he's not rushing as often. I don't know what the situation is, but like he just does seem to be more of like a run guy right now. Yep. Um and then Gary yeah, I mean, I think, too, one of the ways that you I've heard in the past people say, like, hey, how do you slow down an elite pass rusher? You run at him, right? And then mm-hmm. you throw screens around him and stuff like that, too. So um, maybe they're doing a little bit of that, just running at him on purpose just to get him if they know he's going to bite hard inside or, you know, whatever the case may be. So I don't know. We'll see. It's, I think, agreed he doesn't necessarily set the edge that great. Um, but he's in the past, he hasn't been horrible at it. He's been serviceable. We just maybe need to get him. I think more snaps helps too. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Uh, outside linebackers are, what do you got? Kyle and I talked about it. One of the funniest, best things of Rashawn Gary, and he's kind of he's really stopped posting on social media. He used to be kind of not cringy, but very funny, the things he would post. Before the Niners, I believe it was the Niners playoff game in the wild card round, he posted like a highlight video, like getting pumped for the game, and it was like two clips of him setting the edge. And I remember Kyle and I <laughs> talking about it. And I was like, yes, fuck yeah. He knows what he has to do. So at least he was aware of it at the time. But maybe he needs to look back at setting the edge. Uh, Billy, what you got on them? I look forward to Rashawn Gary being back 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I feel like Lucas, I actually feel better about Lucas Van Ness right now than I do JJ and I know that I was the guy that was not high on the Lucas Van Ness pick at the beginning of the year, certainly after the draft, but it just feels like, I mean, you talked about JJ getting just absolutely run on anytime he was on the field. I have not seen him do anything in the pass rush game. Like I don't, I don't remember at any point in either game going, Oh, that was that was a good push by JJ, or you know, oh, he flushed out the quarterback or whatever. Like it's he's just there. He's a guy, but he's not contributing anything. True. Yeah. We'll have to see if he can, you know, keep growing a bit. But once again, it's nice with this team. He's a second year player, you know. Yeah. So that's that's what's and he's encouraging. He's outside linebacker three or four. So we don't yes, need him to do him. that much, but it'd just be nice to f- see a little bit more with you know, Gary's still working his way back to 100%. And Preston Smith is no spring chicken either. Yeah. And However like, old true. spring chickens are. <laughs> yeah. And like I, I mentioned it in the uh, preview episode, I think, or something. And Preston still has four years left on his deal, which is surprising. It's wild. I, it's going to be interesting what they do with him. Uh, moving on to the defensive line. Um, you know, once again, not a great performance. I don't know how much we have to talk about these guys. We have mentioned them a bit. I did mention last week against the Bears how I liked the rotation that they had. Uh, TJ had the most snaps with 40, and Carl Brooks had the least with 29. This week, Kenny led with 61, and Carl Brooks had the least with 23. So it shows you that range of what they're doing, where Kenny, TJ, and Wyatt played quite a bit, and the other guys kind of mixed in. And you could see late how they were obviously getting slowed down with how much they were running the ball. Kenny had... Probably the best game out of anyone on defense. He had the QB hit that caused Rezul Douglas's INT. Yep. Wyatt, you know, he didn't do a hell of a lot. We still need to see him play better in the run game. T 
TJ Slayton, you know, same thing. And like I said at the top, I'm fine. I like the guys we have on the defensive line, but we need a fat fucker at the middle at nose tackle who's not going to get pushed back because that's what seems to happen, especially on those plays that matter. Yeah. I, I, I'm watching the game. I know nickel is the thing to play now and whatever, but like when we had, there was a couple different times where we had three down linemen and I just felt like we were so much more effective. And it seemed like Kenny was everywhere on Sunday. And like, that was really fun to watch Kenny, the penetration getting in there and just making a mess in the backfield. When you get pressure in your face, especially as, I mean, a quarterback like Ritter who, yeah, he's athletic, but like maybe not. He's not like a pocket quarterback. He can't mm-hmm. just sit back in there and throw the ball. He's got to move off his spot and stuff. Like that was really fun to watch. And I'm still really excited to see this defense, this front seven play against a quarterback that's not mobile. And I really want to see what that looks like. Because granted, a lot of the quarterbacks in this league today are pretty mobile, but I think that if you put a sitting duck back there, this front seven's going to get to you early and often. I just, I think I, I see it, right? Like they look aggressive actually up front, which is fun. So yep. hopefully yep. we see a little bit more of that this week. Yeah. And, and yeah. it wasn't a great performance last week aside from, I think Kenny, I think Kenny played great yep. and he just needs a little bit of help around him. And I think getting, I mean, you put Wyatt Slayton and Clark together on the field. And I think that is a mean combo right there. And it was productive against the bears. We didn't really see it much last week, but when we did, I think it was even really good against the run. And maybe that was the same time we're talking about having Lucas Van Ness out there. Maybe that's the same time period, but yeah, I don't know. I just, I just would like to see the three down linemen more often. I don't know. And it seems like when we do have those three down linemen in the game, we have both outside backers right up on the line of scrimmage too. So it's almost like a five man front, which, you know, then we can kind of pick our poison. Like how do we, how do we stunt? Do we drop the linebackers out? Do we rush somebody else in place of the outside linebackers? Like it just feels like there's so much flexibility. But, you know, if the down and distance isn't dictating that you can play a, a formation like that, like they were they were killing us on, you know, first down just running the ball, which granted is probably when we were out there in a nickel package. Yeah, yeah I don't – the nickel package just against these – we played two run-heavy teams, right? And it just feels like that nickel package is too prevalent based on who we're playing just just early in the season. I don't know. Hopefully we – this would have been the time to see more base. Yeah, and right. we didn't see it. So I don't really expect to see it a whole lot. Yeah. Didn't we have the same complaints with uh, Mike Pettin and Dom Capers towards the end that they played too much nickel? <sighs> I don't know. My, my brain is just mush. I, I don't know if we've actually had like three, you know, crummy or – you know, defensive coordinators that digressed or, you know, uh, got worse over time, declined over time, or if just everyone hates their defensive coordinator in the NFL, you know, that that's a huge part of it too. Like, no, I don't think anyone really loves their defensive coordinator, maybe like five teams in the league. You know, that's about it. Um, Special teams, Anders Carlson made his kicks. God, the other thing that fuck that we didn't even talk about it at the end of half of the first half. This team is so young. And Matt LaFleur hasn't paid attention to these types of things. They're so young. They literally did not know how to get out there in time to kick the ball. That's what happened. They were lackadaisical getting on the field, and they weren't able to kick in time. Either way, Matt LaFleur should have 
used a timeout or used maybe a timeout. Even, or maybe even kick a 56 yarder after he he said he didn't want to kick the 56 57 yarder that early in the game to set the Falcons up in good field position if they miss sure. but it's like he made it and in Lambo, 57 yards in preseason, so whatever. Uh, Daniel Whelan, I think he's been really good punting. I just hope for less kicks that go in the end zone. And he's done a really good job holding. This week, too, watching the game back, there was a couple snaps. He had a really high one against Chicago. This week, he had to like go back for one and pull it back down. And then Keyshawn Nixon running the ball out of the end zone, nine yards deep. I don't like that. And then right before halftime, I think, he had that other one that he didn't return. And you could hear him just scream <laughs> afterwards. He was like upset that he didn't return it. I don't know if you guys have anything on special teams. Anders Daniel Whelan. Fine. Yep. Daniel Whelan averaging nearly 50 yards a boot. He's got a leg. Yeah. He had that and, one late that was really good too that flipped the field. Yes. Um, and then to your point about Keyshawn, I think this is what we have to live with after what he did last year where he had nine straight games of 100 yards or whatever it was like right. you you know he's going to shoot his shot almost any time he gets the chance absolutely uh and with that we will have take news football time take news All right, take news for the week. We are going to talk about David Bakhtiari's knee. I don't... Is it the left one or the right one? I don't even know. You guys have any idea? I think it's left. Okay. I don't know. 50-50. It might be Dave's left knee. Anyways, so I just want to talk about this get all the context out there as much as possible and talk about it. Because I think it's a very interesting, not a great thing going on. This is probably David's last year with the Green Bay Packers. But, God, again, if I had one wish for like the Matt LaFleur Green Bay Packers, it would be that David Bakhtiari never tore his ACL. I wonder where we would be anyways. So, as we know, if you've been paying attention, David Bakhtiari this year has been on a pitch count. As far as practices go, he hasn't practiced back-to-back days and... In training camp, he maybe practiced once or twice a week, and he has not practiced a single time this year since the season started. Um, then, you know, the first two weeks, he didn't practice at all. He was questionable against the Bears and played. He was questionable against Atlanta, and he was inactive. This is the first turf game we've had all year, and we know if you follow David, he does not like turf. He's talked about it, and it does seem like there's a lot of negative side effects of playing on turf, especially if you're a larger human being, which David Bakhtari is. So after it was announced on Sunday, you know, at 1030 that he was out, Jason Wilde, I was listening to some pregame show, and he brought up how he talked to David earlier in the week, you know, with all this turf stuff going on, he asked him if he would play on turf games this year. Well, According to Jason Wildey, Dave's answer was, quote, I don't think that's a conversation that should be had. That's not appropriate. Okay, that's what he said. You, He could have said, I will play on turf this year. If he's going to play on turf this year. If you do that, all of this is put to bed. But, of course, before the game, during the game, after the game, you know, on social media, shit was popping off. Justice Mosqueda, who I like, he tweeted, he's made $80,000 a snap. Since signing his extension, which is far and away the most in the league, he said, 
I believe it's fair to ask him to take uh, to play on turf or to fine him, which is, ooh, I don't know, you stir some shit up there. Tyler Herrick of Cheesehead TV, who runs their socials, I think he's very funny. I think he's a good dude. He seems like a smart dude. Quote tweeted him and said, do we know for sure? He said, quote, I just don't like turf. I'm out. Question mark, question mark, question mark. No, because that's probably not what happened. Also pretty sure the CBA doesn't allow him to elect to be inactive. It has to be a team decision. And then Perry Goldstein of, um, I don't know if she's still what she said TV, but she has packs what she said, their podcast. She said, right, because an ultra competitive athlete is going to sit out a game voluntarily because of the playing surface. Even though he battled back to play in Detroit on the same surface after his initial knee injury. Come on, what are we doing here? And we'll talk about that later because I think that does play part of it. How in 2021, he didn't play all year until week 17 when Rodgers kind of pushed him to play in Detroit, hoping that that would be enough to get him in the flow of things so he could play in the playoffs. Well, two very important clips here that we'll play. This is Matt LaFleur after the game when asked about David Bakhtiari's knee. So Bakhtiari, was that uh, a turf decision? Yeah, no, I, don't, I, I mean, we all know that Dave's been dealing with this, and so, no. So could this be a thing where he doesn't play in any game? Uh, you guys, I, I'm not going to get into that. Like, we all know this has been, this is two years now. So I'm not going to get into it. It's probably going to be like this from here on out. So Matt there doesn't really squash anything. And the fact that he interrupts, I think it was Pete Dotry of Packers News. The fact that he interrupts Pete's question before he's even finished asking it is not a good sign either. All he says is the word turf and Matt cuts him off. And then at the end, he doesn't give a very clear, concise answer either. Doesn't mention anything of it being a new injury or complications or swelling. He just says, you know, what, what did he say? We've been going through two years of this, which isn't very clear either. So then fast forward 24 hours later, this is what Matt had to say after, you know, he was a little more composed, not as pissed off after the game and Packers PR probably <laughs> talked to him a little bit as well. I'm sure this would be easier on you if Dave would have just talked to us and explained it after the game, but did he not play because it was a turf game or because he had a, a issue that popped up last week? Well, his knee is injured, and there's swelling, so. If that game's played at Lambeau Field, is he able to play or not? I don't believe so. Just to clarify, is this a... I'm not talking about it. That's it. That's, just to clarify, I'm done talking about it. So it was funny because some people who were like, Dave wouldn't do that. Dave wouldn't do that. And I'm not, I'm not saying he's protesting. I just don't think he wants to play on turf. But they're like, ah, you see the tweets. Matt LaFleur says if it were at Lambo, he doesn't know if he would. He doesn't think he would have played blah, blah, blah. But when you hear Matt say it, it's, it's quite a bit different. And the other wrinkle to throw in or I don't know, there's a couple other wrinkles again. Right after that, so she said TV tweets out, the good Bakhtiari wasn't protesting turf. The bad, his knee flared up again. No one thinks he's protesting. What I think is going on is that, like uh, Perry had mentioned, he you know he came back in 2021 and played on the turf in Detroit. Then his knee swelled up. I think what happens is in these turf games, his knee swells up and there's complications and then he can't play the next week. That's probably what's going on. 
but the Packers don't want to reveal that. They want to maintain this competitive advantage. Also, it probably sends kind of a weird message in the locker room. On top of that, another thing that Jason Wilde talked about was Monday in the locker room, he talked to Rashid Walker, who obviously started and plays for David Bakhtiari. And Jason asked him, when did you know David wasn't going to play? And Rashid Walker said, on Saturday night, David told me that he wasn't playing, which is interesting when you look at what the Packers did on Sunday. Again, I'm not a conspiracy guy. I'm a connect the dots guy. And when Rashid Walker came out on the field in these jumbo sets, he played tight end. So if Rashid Walker is playing tight end and Yash Naiman is coming in and playing left tackle, it looks like during the week they were giving Rashid Walker snaps at tight end and assuming Dave is going to play left tackle. You know, if, if Rashid's starting at left tackle, you probably keep him there and maybe have Yash try out tight end, something like that. I don't know. I don't know what's really going on. What do you guys think? I think... You know, just obviously we have no idea what the situation is, but like reading between the lines is what we're trying to do here. And it does seem like there's a correlation between turf and Bakhtiari not playing. He obviously hates turf. He's been super vocal about it. I don't think it's unfair to draw the, to draw those comparisons and be like, Hey, like Dave obviously hates turf. He's talked about it over and over and over again. And he pushes the NFL weekly to get turf to go away and complains about it with soccer, soccer teams doing it in football stadiums. It goes on and on, which I agree with. I think he has a good point. I think his point is valid, but I also think, Hey dude, if this is what's happening, I also feel like Dave should probably talk to the media. Like, dude, you're putting your head coach out there to talk Mm -hmm. about these things. You, to be honest, he has created this by being so vocal about the turf fields. I mean, just yeah. saying, and I'm not saying he is, it's not malicious. He's trying to, he's trying to better the system. I don't fault him for that, but like, dude, you should probably talk to the media then and not put your head coach out there. I don't know. That's the way I feel about like the media situation. I don't care what they do. I mean, I care a little bit because we're spending so much money on this left tackle. Who's not playing. That's frustrating, but I also don't, I don't really think it's Dave's fault either. Like if his knee swells up, it swells up. Like it's not his fault, but at the same time, like, dude, you should probably just go talk to the media and tell them firsthand what's going on and give them an answer. Like, I don't know if you don't want to hear about it. Like, and maybe if you can't, if you can't do that, then maybe, maybe you shouldn't be so vocal. I mean, I I think it goes hand in hand. Like if you, if you want to go be vocal, maybe you got to talk to the media too. That's what I think. So two thoughts on that. And I agree with you that he's being more vocal because I remember this offseason, it became a conversation. You know, I think there was some study that was released and found that, you know, certain injuries are much more prevalent on uh, fake on turf versus natural grass. And there was even a certain type. I think it was like slit film yep. turf or something like that. I think maybe Which Detroit, Detroit got rid it. of and replaced. Yes. Yep. So I think, you know, because it was a conversation for a good chunk of the offseason and then who goes and gets hurt on a fake field in week one on opening night, you know, perhaps the biggest star in the league right now in Aaron Rodgers and Bakhtiari's former teammate, mm-hmm. like that Best just friend. keeps that keeps that in the media conversation. And then all of a sudden we go in the next week and we're playing on turf. And I, I think Rogers injury very well could have just put something 
into Bakhtiari's head where it was like, you know, every single game I play on turf, my knee swells up. I feel like shit. I don't play well. I'm better off just sitting out. But then my other point on this is if we're going through this whole song and dance and we think that we're maintaining some competitive advantage, do we really think that the Minnesota Vikings coaching staff is so stupid to go, oh, well, Bakhtiari didn't play in Atlanta, but he's definitely going to play here. Like, there's no reason he's not going to play. Like, give me a break. Like, if we can see that Rasheed Walker is switching off between left tackle and tight end, I mean, come on. Unless just for the very off chance that Bakhtiari was truly questionable all week and then Saturday you know, night when he was get, getting ready to go to bed or whatever, he was like, there's just no way it's going to be ready in the morning. I guess that's a possibility, but everything that everybody has said and how defensive the coaching staff was getting tells me that there's perhaps some fire with this smoke. Yep. And, you know, it's the fact that they're so, def- like you said, defensive and evasive. I just want to know what's going on. I hope. Dave's knee gets better. You know, that that's what sucks. You know, I, I hate talking about this shit because I feel like you're painting someone in a negative light where I don't know, he is outspoken. I wish he would talk to me. He didn't talk to the media after the game, didn't talk to him Monday, Wednesday, um the 20th, I believe. I'm gonna guess he's gonna talk to the media tomorrow and maybe we'll get some answers, but especially like when the fucking guy was outspoken about the Packers social media not doing their right. job in the offseason, and now you're doing this, it's like don't be throwing stone. I don't know. It's, it's a bad you know, look. I think. I don't know. We don't know why he's not talking to the media. Maybe Matt's like, yeah, hey, I feel I'm bad. just going to take this and I'm going to run with it. You just don't worry about it, whatever. Like, we don't know what conversation is being had. But regardless of what conversation is being had, you also have to understand the optics. You're yes. outspoken about turf. You play week one on a grass field. You don't play week two on a turf field. And then you're not available to the media. I mean, kind of. It's just not a good look. So, yes, I mean, you have to look. And at when you were asked about it, you just completely shoot it down and say it's not an it's not an appropriate conversation to have. Like, right. It is. You, an you didn't even conversation. <laughs> yeah, right. I get it either. It's well, I mean, I I guess I get it, but it's just I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But something much more fun is Kyle an idiot. I'm not an idiot. OK, you sure? Yes. All right. Is Kyle an idiot for the week? Billy and Todd, you guys are two and one on the season. Yep. Let's see how you go here. Kind of goofy questions this week, but they always are, aren't they? All right. Notice this on Sunday. It's not that cool. What former Packer fan slash Brett Favre fan, really good guy, is currently wearing number four for the Falcons? I know this one. Okay, go. Taylor Heineke. Yes, it is Taylor Heineke. I thought that was kind of funny, kind of cool. Taylor Heineke is kind of a weird guy, too. I didn't realize he was the Vikings quarterback uh, that preseason where he got cut after he, like, kicked out a window and cut his Achilles tendon or or something. Yeah. (laughs) I forgot about that. Yeah. So he's a weird dude. You know, he's a big Favre fan or was growing up. I don't know if he still is. Favre's, you know, kind of a douchebag, trash ball, whatever. You see him hanging out with Warren Sapp last week, too. That's another thing, too. That fucking piece of shit. (laughs) That's the weirdest combo, too. Like, in the whole thing (laughs) with, like, 
even when they played and he got his sack or whatever and he i don't know like, that was that was straight hand that was straight oh, that was straight hand but oh. what warren Sapp did to chad clifton was one of the worst fucking things on a football field anyways but yes very good billy it is Tyler Heineke. He's wearing Brett Favre's old jersey number, which would be kind of cool. You know, probably I'd rather have like the Falcons number four than the Jets number four for some reason. Maybe that's just me, oh. you know, when I eventually make it to the okay. NFL. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Moving on. Number two, Jaden Reed had two touchdowns on Sunday. Who was the last Packers rookie to score two touchdowns in Atlanta? In Atlanta. Before you qualified it with in Atlanta, I had an idea, but now I'm not so sure. <laughs> Todd? I was just thinking Cobb was really productive as a rookie. That would just be my guess because he's productive. I remember Jordy having a big game in Atlanta. I don't know if that, that was far his rookie back? year. You guys James Jones, legends here. Oh, legends! Do you give up? You want to? You want to guess? Greg Jennings, Billy. I'm gonna go with Jordy. It was God. You know, I I could have gave you a hint. Maybe it was the Sam Congato in 2005. Oh no way! I looked back. Even like Geronimo Allison was close. There was a game where Geronimo and Jeff Janis each had touchdowns in Atlanta, but they did not. You know, they weren't rookies then. But it was Sam Congato. I don't know for some reason that Atlanta game was Sam Congato. I specifically remember watching that. Yeah, (laughs) I think it was like Monday night or Sunday night or something. That might be part of it. But Spence also just loves Sam Congato as like his favorite (laughs) Packer. What pisses me off is we lit. I literally just had a conversation with a coworker on Monday morning about Sam Congato. Really? Well, it sounds like he got out of your head. (laughs) Oh, geez. Oof. Okay. Next question. The Saints. So if this doesn't work, we'll have a backup question. The Saints currently have six former Packers on their 53-man roster or practice squad. Can you name four of them? Six former Packers on their active roster or practice squad? Yep. Um, hmm. Practice squad. There should be two pretty easy ones here hmm do you have do you have any billy i have one but i'm 95 percent sure it isn't right ty montgomery was there for a couple years but i don't think he's there anymore okay okay we're gonna bypass this question the six the six saints on their roster right now Jamal Williams, which oh, I Jamal was a and Duh. Taysom Hill, Duh. and Taysom Hill, Taysom Hill. I, yeah, Jimmy Jimmy Graham, which you may have forgot, came out of retirement. Sure. He's playing for the Saints. Oh, I did forget about him. Yeah, Isaac Isaac Yadam. You know, he's kind of bleh. okay uh, on their practice squad though. Jack Heflin and Ty Summers are on the. I don't oh, know if you guys remember okay. that? Uh, yeah, I remember Heflin Ty Summers. I, and I Heflin. never would have gotten those last four. Okay, so I figured that was a tough one. I have a backup one. The two, the two we should have got. We should have got Jamal, and we should have got Taysom. That was that was Absolutely. disheartening. I forgot about guys... Jimmy. I did see a blurb about Jimmy, but yeah, yeah. I think less of you two now. Uh, what former Saints player who also played for the Packers 
was one of the 173 Hall of Fame nominees today, and he's also a coach for the Saints right now. Air Sharper. I hope not. He's getting a call in prison. (laughs) (laughs) They have phones. He's he's known for playing with the Saints. I think he only played with the Saints. Then his last year in the NFL was with the Green Bay Packers. Jari Evans. Oh, yes. Yes, Jari Evans. Good job. Good call. Okay, you guys saved some face there going two and one this week after not being able to get Jamal or Taysom Hill. Come on, guys. Billy, do you have a stump spenny? Uh. I have one. Okay. And may- maybe two. I'm I'm curious Ooh. on the first one. This was going to be my first one, and then I decided it was too easy. So, the last game that the Packers played against the New Orleans Saints, where was the game played? Sorry, can you repeat it? You froze. Oh. The last time that the Packers played the Saints, where was the game played? Oh. Uh, I think I know this one. Tampa Bay. Jacksonville. Oh, I should I should have thought more. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's right, Jackson. <laughs> yeah, that game sucked. That was a terrible. Opener. That that was a bad one. So so then I had to go back to the previous year to see if there was something that I could glean from this one. This one's uh-huh. pretty obscure. Uh, so in that game, this was in the COVID year. We won thirty seven thirty on Sunday night. We had five different players score points in that game. Only one is still on the Packers roster. Who is it? Sorry, say that again. Five players scored. Only one is still with the team. What year was it? 2020. Oh, fuck. Oh, can I guess? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, well, I feel like it's a tough one. The The clear answer is Aaron Jones, but I feel like it's going to be a defensive player, but I'm going to go with Aaron Jones. Todd. I was I was gonna say I don't the years might not line up, but I was gonna say was Josiah DeGuara on the team at that point, and it was him. He was on the team. It uh, actually was Aaron Jones. Okay. okay, there we go. Sweet, I'll take that. I had a I should have gotten the first one. Uh, with that, we will move on to our Saints preview. Uh, we were playing the Saints at noon on Fox once again. We have the incredibly talented Kenny Albert and Jonathan Vilma on the call. Once again, if you don't want to listen to those fuckheads, you can uh, pull out your laptop or desktop, whatever, go to Packers.com radio and sync up. If you got YouTube TV or something, listen to Wayne. That's what I did last week. I was very happy because we talked about it before we started recording Jonathan Vilma. I do not like as a commentator. I know we've gone late here, so we might not want to talk about it too much, but I watched the condensed game after the game that was enough Jonathan Vilma for me he just interjects during the play like wow or here we go and he was talking up Desmond Ritter how he's a good quarterback and all this shit he the the one that really got me listening back was the punt returner for the Falcons was number 21 and he said he's wearing number 21 like Dion I bet he wants to return this one like he did yeah. Like, what are you that that's that's we got to be that's, able to find that's not analysis. Yeah, we, we got to be but able to find better commentators. The other this. thing that drove me nuts was I think there were 25 seconds left in the first half or something. And they had a, a fourth and two and they called timeout. And he's like, oh, why are they calling timeout here? It's like 
because they're going to go for it, you doofus. Like, why, why would why would you call timeout if you're going to kick the field goal there? Like, come on, dude. He just is, it's just, there's got to be somebody else out there sitting on the couch that could do a better job, right? Yeah, like, that's me. Anybody. <laughs> it's just like, it's like, dude, man, like, I would just rather listen to the play-by-play the whole time. Just like I don't have anything against Kenny Albert. I think he's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think you just gotta put a better color guy with him. They're <laughs> tough to find. Like it's, Mark, it's Mark Sanchez is bad at it too. It's I don't know. Oh, oh, we we can criticize yeah. just about all the guys. Uh Vegas has the Packers as two point favorites at home, which is a little telling. You always get three points when you're the home team. So they only got two, which means Vegas thinks that the Saints are one point better than the Packers. Over under is 43. Overall, the Falcons are 2 0 after being the Titans and then the Panthers last week, 20 to 17. They're putting up 18 points a game, which is 25th in the league, but the defense is only allowing 16 points per game, which is fifth in the league. They've only allowed one touchdown this year. Um, they also have a streak of 10 games, I believe, of allowing 20 points or less. They forced the sixth most takeaways in the league. I mean, they went up against, you know, like I said, the Panthers and Titans. Um, they're 28th. I thought this was interesting. 28th in pressure percentage, but seventh in the league in sacks. That doesn't add up. That's a little fishy. On offense, Derek Carr is the quarterback. I don't think he's good. He's the new Andy Dalton in my eyes. A couple of great receivers Ooh. in Olave, Thomas, and the second-year player, Rashid Shahid, who has a fun name. They still have Juwan Johnson, the tight end, who had a solid season last year. The running backs are Taysom Hill. He's currently their leading rusher after Jamal Williams got hurt last week. Uh, uh, Kamara is still suspended for the three games, which worked out perfect for us. So it looks like the running back is going to be Tony Jones Jr., who's, uh, I don't know, they're averaging 3.3 yards per carry this year, which is uh, 0.1 yards more than the Green Bay Packers with H. You're only getting carries. The O-line gives up the eighth most sacks in the league on defense. They're pretty good. Kurt, like I said, that streak that they have going on of 20 points or less in the last 10 games. Still have Cameron Jordan, Demarius Davis, uh, Tyron Matthew, and Marshawn Lattimore, one of the better corners in the league. You guys got any thoughts on going back, or I was going to say back down to New Orleans, but the New Orleans going back up to us? Yeah, um, I don't know. It's the Derek Carr... I don't know if you saw this last week. Somebody tweeted out, like, this is Derek Carr's career, like, all summed up into one play. And he just, like, he got hit as he was throwing it and just, like, sailed into the end zone for an interception. And it was just like, yeah, like, it's just not, like, a scary thing. But also, we played two not scary quarterbacks at all and lost one of those games. So, I don't know. I don't necessarily feel super great about it in general, but I don't know. It it's going to be a good game. It would be good to see Jamal out there um, just yeah. because one of my favorite Packers uh, as of late, but yeah, I don't know. I It'll be a fun game to watch. True. I think the, the saints offense is really going to test this defense. Like you were saying, Spencer, they've got some nice weapons at wide receiver. Michael Thomas starting to make his way back after a couple injury plague seasons. Rashid Shahid seems like a, a weapon with the ball in his hands especially in special teams. Uh, Chris Olave is off to a really nice start this year. And then you have the Swiss Army knife that is Taysom Hill. So there's going to be a lot of stress put on this uh, Joe Barry defense. Yeah, and you know we talked about it last week, how the Bears are so fucking bad that you can't really 
judge our defense off that. And they were like, well, Atlanta will be a good test because they're a good running team. And now this week with the injuries that the Saints appear to have, it's going to be, you know, Derek Carr isn't great, but with the weapons that they have offensively, you're going to be testing the secondary a little bit. So I kind of like how this kind of added up to start the season to test uh, Joe Barry's defense, but we'll see they've got a great defense as well. It'll be a good test for Jordan Love. Like I said, with the sacks and stuff, we still need to see how he throws under pressure late against the Falcons. He was pressured a little bit and, we know he went 0-6 in that fourth quarter, so we'll see. Either way, pretty excited. My score prediction for this game, I do have the Packers winning after correctly picking them to lose last week. I think the score is pretty close to I had them both in the 20s. I have the Packers winning 17-24. to I don't know. I think it might be a bit of an ugly game. You know, again, they have a good defense. We have an okay defense. We both have middling offenses. Ours, we're still trying to see what the hell we are, but 17 to 24 Packers W. Yeah, I don't know. I think I kind of feel like this maybe is one of the lost column um, with Derek Carr being the best QB we've faced so far and actually be able to push the ball down the field and then having some decent receivers in this one kind of feel like it doesn't really it's not a good equation for a Joe Barry defense and that safety room is going to get picked apart a little bit that's my prediction um I think we lose uh I'm gonna say 24 20 mm. yeah it's tough very tough that was my takeaway going into this one too Todd is just the weapons that they have I think this is by far the most dangerous offense that we've seen so far this year um and after what we saw Desmond Ritter and that Falcons offense do, do, do to us, not a lot of confidence in the defense. Granted, I don't expect the Saints to run the ball nearly as well as the Falcons did. True. Um, but I'm going to agree with you, Todd. I'm going to say that the Saints win this one 30-20. Uh, to 20. Oh, much higher scoring game. Yeah, I don't know. I, I still don't know how good the Saints offense is going to be because it's still Derek Carr. And it's no Kamara, uh, Kamara, and it's probably no Jamal Williams. So I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see either way. Um, bold predictions, sticking with that. You know, are we going to put up more points like you kind of said there, Billy? You guys can shoot me down on this. My prediction is Christian Watson plays and oh, he scores two that's touchdowns. That's it. Bold enough. Yeah, I, that's, <laughs> that's what I kind of thought, too, the way the season's been going. But Christian Watson plays and he scores two touchdowns. Todd, you got a bold be... prediction? That would be sweet. Um, I'm going to say bold prediction. The I know I picked them to lose this one and specifically the defense to get picked apart. But what I'm going to say is defense has two picks here. That's my bold prediction. And they hold Derek Carr to under 200 yards. Bold. Okay. Sure. Just I'm swinging both ways here. Okay. Very cool. I'm going to say... I'm going to say that Taysom Hill scores two touchdowns against us Ugh. and a, and a combination of passing, rushing or receiving. <laughs> Ugh. I did. I watched, I bet on the game the other night and I looked up at one time when uh, the, the saints were in the, in the red zone and I see the quarterback take a snap and run out to the right. And I'm like, Oh shit. Okay. Derek Carr. And he gets walloped. He just gets obliterated. I'm like, Holy shit. And I was like, Oh, it was it was Taysom Hill. It was it wasn't Derek. <laughs> it's like okay, that makes a lot more sense. I don't know why in the hell they would have ran that with Derek Carr. And it's like ah, okay. I suppose that number. God, what is he? Seven? It's seven, seven and four. Yeah, I don't know. 
But yeah, that is the Saints game. Hopefully we win. That is the episode. If you liked it, leave a review. That would be cool. If you want a koozie, uh, DM us on Twitter, pod, or uh, email us on the email, uh, podcast at gmail.com. We'll send you a koozie if you want one. Leave a review, five-star rating. You know we're fucking incredible. Uh, tell your friends, tell your family, tell everyone to listen to this stupid podcast. Billy and Todd, you got anything else? I don't think I have anything else. Cool. Nothing for me. All right. Well, with that, Eric Koskinen, please don't sue us. There has to be someone better out there that's just sitting at home. Dude, Mark Sanchez is dog shit, too. I don't like Mark Sanchez at all. He is weird, and you would think he would be smarter. It's not that he's dumb. He's, like, just the most boring. Yeah. If you're going to pick a color guy, pick somebody who has something interesting to say. Yes. Right. Yes. There is the opposite. There's Booger McFarland, who I'm like, Jesus, don't let him talk. Jason Witten. Jason Witten. Like, Greg Olson's, like, perfect with, like, he, he's a good number one of yes. being, like, your number one the guy. Yeah, your number one color guy. He's for, he's Fox, right? Yeah. Yep, and yep. just being, like, enough. But then, like, also just let's watch let's watch a little football. We don't need to hear you. Right. He he understands the game, but he's not. It's like Tony, Tony Romo used to be this, but then he's Tony Romo started to get full of himself, and it's it feels like Tony's trying too hard now. I, yeah, yeah. I've, I've heard reviews this year. He I haven't was, heard a Tony game yet, but that he's better year. this year than last year. 